Show me the money. Welcome to the MoneyWeb Market Commentator Podcast, where leading investment professionals share their investment insights. Your host, Rake van We are talking markets again today, and uh, today, in addition to the podcast, uh, we are also shooting a video of the discussion. So please let me know what you think about the video. My guest today is Hannes van den Berg. He's the co-head of SA Equity and Multi-Asset within the four-factor team at 91. Hannes has been with 91 for four and a half years, and before that, he was at Fairtree Capital for nearly a decade. He is a CA and also a CFA charter holder. Hannes, thank you so much for joining me. First of all, who and what is the four-factor team? All right. Thanks for the opportunity and nice to talk to you today. Um, four-factor is a, is a style that uh, 91 previously invested asset management embraces to identify stocks a, on a global scale. Um, so they analyze stocks according to the quality or the strategy of the business, the valuation of the business, the earnings profile, earnings revision, and then also technicals. Uh, so they use that on a global scale to filter through the huge universe of stock opportunities and to identify a, a list of stocks uh, that they then do research on and, and then obviously include in their funds. In South Africa, we tend to sort of highlight or emphasize two factors stronger, which is earnings revisions on the one hand, and then reasonable valuation. Uh, we've found that over time, we've analyzed markets and what contributes to return specifically for the South African market, and that earnings uh, at a reasonable valuation is what we believe drives share price outperformance in the South African market. But is that the case currently? Yes, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, uh, Raik. I mean, if you look at the South African market, COVID-19 have reset a lot of earnings expectations for, for companies in South Africa. So we are seeing a lot of very positive revisions, especially on the SA Inc. side in South Africa. Uh, commodity prices have been very supportive for the resources counters. So we've also seen a lot of positive revisions and change in sentiment and expectations for the resource counters. So to answer your question, yes, we, we are finding quite a lot of buying opportunities uh, on the South African exchange at the moment. Now, I've spoken to several of your peers at Alan Gray and Coronation in recent weeks, and they are pretty bullish about the local market. Uh, they also see a lot of value. They also see a lot of uh, buying opportunities. Um, uh, what is your feeling about the tem- temperature of the local market? Yeah, we've, 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 obviously, if you had to sort of take a top-down view about globally where we are in the cycle, just had a, a massive recession. Um, out of the recession, you usually have first your recovery phase, uh, which is, uh, as you know, we've delivered quite uh, handsome returns over the last 12 months for, for equity investors. We do think we're now going to the growth or expansion phase, post the recovery phase, sort of the next part of the cycle. Uh, in, in this part of the cycle, people need to be sort of, uh, we, we expect markets to be more trending rather, rather than the strong uh, growth that we've had. But then, yeah, from a, from a bottom-up perspective, um, yes, we agree that uh, we're finding quite a lot of buy opportunities. Uh, yes, maybe there's a bit of stabilization and volatility over the short term. But if you take a 12-month view uh, over the medium to longer term, uh, lots of buying opportunities uh, on the South African exchange. On the SA Inc. side, we would agree with our peers. Also on the resources side, uh, more recently, we've seen a, a bit of a pullback in the in the last few weeks, and, and that creates a fantastic opportunity to position yourself correctly going into 2022. But if you look at what happened between 2010 and 2021, uh, if we can take that period, we've underperformed 
most international markets, uh, especially the U.S. market. Um, but then uh, last year, after the the crash, we see we saw a very strong rebound of local stocks. You know, and and it was pretty much correlated with what we saw elsewhere. But over the past few weeks, as you've just said, it, it seems like we've lost steam a bit. Are you concerned about this, or do you do you think it's just a, a short term thing? How do, do you think we can? you know, close the gap again and be better correlated to, to especially what we're seeing in the U.S. where we see records every second week. Uh, Rick, your, your first point about the previous decade from 2010, um, I think it, would, it was an easier trade to have everything offshore. Uh, SA Inc. stocks, I mean, we know about the political environment, we know about the anemic growth environment, uh, corruption. Um, that, that, that was sort of the ideal trade uh, was to have your money offshore benefit from a weaker rand and, and the bigger universe of stocks that you can invest in on the, on the offshore side. Uh, what happened during the pandemic or the crisis was that the earnings basis or earnings expectations for some of the SA stocks got reset 40-50% lower uh, than we, maybe where they were in 2019. And the stocks reacted with those lower earnings expectations and reset in earnings expectations. And uh, a lot of our analysts started indicating to us that the market have overshot on the on the downside for the SA Inc. stocks. I mean, take a bank who had to do uh, non-performing loans provisions in the third quarter of last year uh, under level four lockdown. These these provisions were done very conservatively. People weren't expecting the consumer to 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 recover as as uh, the consumer has been less bad than feared. Uh, people didn't expect the savings rates to be as healthy uh, globally and in South Africa. So that created a lot of pent up demand. Um, so, so that gave the opportunity for the trade to go slightly the other way again and to find some of these SA Inc. opportunities. So if you look at our bank's index year-to-date up more than 20%, our retail index year-to-date up more than 30%. Uh, so, so those kind of returns you don't often find. And, and the trade was the other way around for the last 12 to 18 months to bring some of that capital back from offshore to South Africa and to invest in some of the SA Inc. opportunities. And we tend to think that that trade has, has, has still got some legs. We, we tend to think the opportunity continues into 2022. Uh, we can talk about some of the stocks and opportunities. Uh, we recently engaged with a lot of the companies. We still think there's upside to the earnings expectations for, for some of those SA Inc. stocks. So we would agree uh, with, with the peers, as you've mentioned. So let's talk about the SA Inc. stocks, uh, because uh, in many ways, I also think the local market has been distorted with the poor performance of Process and Naspers in recent months, because that did drag down the the, the, the JCLC uh, significantly, whilst many other SA Inc. stocks have actually performed really, really well. And so at which stocks are you looking, which stocks are you currently buying? <laughs> Oh, you're right, right. Uh, if you look at Nasdaq and prices, they're down year to date, um, you know, relative to an index that's that's in the green. So, uh, a lot of uh, sort of value got attracted, negative returns from from those two big stocks on our index. Currently, um, the banks still screen as a as a very attractive sector to us. Um, when we speak to these banks, retail advances uh, inside the corporate and, and business lending practices that they've got, it's it's going better than expected. As I've mentioned, non-performing loans, the provisions that they've made, um, those non-performing loans are behaving better than, than, than what the banks thought. Uh, Non-interest income or revenue, uh, transactional activity exceeding expectations. Uh, so that's a, a, a very attractive sector. Insurance companies as well um, had to make provisions for first and second and third wave. We think we've reached the point where they've also adequately provided. Uh, interesting that people feared that the insurance market, because of 
persistently would struggle because the consumer would be in a, in a bad space. And we've recently spoken to Sunlum and Old Mutual and persistency levels are, are better than expected. So maybe a, a pandemic like we've had uh, makes people look into insurance and maybe also health insurance in a, in a more positive way. And therefore, you, you would like to get your basis covered. So insurance sector, stocks like Old Mutual and Sunlum are, are looking interesting. And then uh, on, the, on the retail side, I've mentioned uh, a stock that I think is, is we think has got tailwinds, ShopRite, um, repositioning themselves quite well. Um, they've addressed their balance sheet concerns, exited some of the businesses in Africa. They're repositioning themselves on the fresh side. Um, some of the some of the shops are seeing capital spending and refurbishment. They've got new systems, the SAP system that they're rolling out. So therefore, their GP margins are, are, are starting to benefit and opening up. Checkers is trading incredibly well. Trekkers is actually trading at margins at the, the same levels or even better than what Woolworths Foods trading. Uh, Woolworths Food being the, the darling of the food market for, for quite a while. We also like the credit retailers. Um, you know, they've got two levers that they can pull. They can either hold back on credit and therefore they have a better uh, default experience. So therefore their credit experience is better and, and they can be too conservatively provided. Or they can use that credit lever to, to drive revenue and top line um, and, and grow their top line by, by extending credit to the consumer. You don't often find that they that they hold back on credit and have a bad debt, a bad bad debt experience. The market penalised them for both, and that exactly was 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 the opportunity. So we quite like the likes of, of Truitts and, and Pichini. Pepcor is benefiting from a lot of grants, grants being extended into next year. Uh, also, people trading down to the value segment. Uh, we tend to think they, they're in a good position. They've addressed their balance sheet concerns, so a lot less debt on the balance sheet. So you've got a better high free cash flow profile from. From Pepco. another stock that's trading quite well is Motus. Um, management, I remember in 2007, 2008, when we went through the financial crisis, uh, these companies struggled to control their fixed costs um, and there was negative operating leverage. This time around, Motus came through the crisis managing their working capital and their fixed costs exceptionally well. Uh, also, the 300 basis points lower interest rates helped the, the, the vehicle market. Um, and we also saw that at the, on the banking side. Um, BAF or vehicle advances uh, that they give to consumers has, has, has been very strong and, and therefore Motors has benefited from that. Are you selling anything aggressively? Well, right, we, we are underweight brand edge stocks, defensive industrial brand edge stocks. We, we don't own the likes of Anheuser and British American Tobacco uh, for, for specific company reasons. Um, and, and, and we feel the upside or the potential return potential on some of the SA Inc. stocks and also on some of the resources stocks uh, exceed. Uh, those those rand edge stocks. Um, so so we see them as funders. I'm looking at the fact sheets of two of the funds where you are involved with the the management. Um, the 91 Equity Fund, which is a Regulation 28 fund, and the 91 SA Equity Fund, which is 100% uh, invested in in local assets. And it's very interesting to see that the SA. Equity fund has uh, slightly outperformed the internationally or the Regulation 28 fund, which has uh, about a 25% foreign exposure. It, how, how did this come about? Because that is probably contrary to the perception or expectation. Yes, Reika, that's that's a very good point to make. It's not often that you find, we, we also highlight this in the balance of multi-asset space, it's not often that you find domestic balance funds outperforming global balance funds. And the point you're making is that a domestic equity fund is outperforming a fund that's got that got global global exposure. There, there are lots of ways to look at this. I mean, the, the common belief out there is that South Africa as an equity market is smaller than 1% of global market capitalization. So you have to find more opportunities in the global space than you would potentially find in the 60 to 70 or 80 stocks that 
form part of our investable universe in South Africa. So yes, there are lots of sectors, the semiconductor sector. Uh, there are lots of more uh, uh, tobacco companies, lots of more luxury goods companies, more oil and gas companies, more tech companies that you can find on the offshore side. So there's a much bigger universe uh, from a stock selection perspective. Uh, the RAND has been much stronger over the last 12 months. Uh, in the middle of the crisis, we also got a debt downgrade. The RAND was at 18, 19 to the dollar. As it stands today, it's at 14.50. So any any offshore exposure has been fighting that stronger RAND trend. So over the over the medium to long term, having some money offshore and having some offshore exposure is, is probably the right thing to have. Um, better opportunities, greater growth rates, companies uh, that, that do quite well, gain from market share, operating and financial leverage, that's positive. In the short term, as I've said, uh, South African earnings and, and equity prices got smashed quite hard. And that was the exact opportunity over the last 12 months. Uh, the return profile of, of some of these SA Inc. stocks uh, over the last 12 months have exceeded what you would have seen uh, as returns in, in, in RAND terms from some of the offshore stocks. So local is lacquer is a, is, a, is, a, is a phrase that we often use on, on, in, in our team. Uh, local stocks have done incredibly well relative to having your money offshore uh, over, the, over the shorter term. Yeah, it's also obviously a stock picker's market um, because we have challenges and it affects certain sectors. Um, but I think if you, you select wisely, you can get these type of returns. But if I look at the, the top holdings of the respective funds, they are pretty similar. Uh, your biggest holding is in Naspers. I'm looking at the July fact sheet of both funds. And uh, did you or did 91 exercise the the uh, swap with process? Yes, yes, right. We did. Um, there was a, there was obviously first the vote process on on the process transaction, um, which we engaged with the company extensively about, um, and we can talk about the voting and management alignment and remuneration and share buybacks. A lot of work and effort has, has, has gone into that. Uh, you would have obviously known that across the South African industry, um, there was a, a industry collaboration and working together uh, with regards to this transaction. And, but now post the transaction, yes, we did tender our NASPA shares. So as it stands today, we were all just short of 8% in process. Uh, we held 3% in NASPA, so we've topped up a little bit on the NASPA side, collectively about 12% in the process NASPA combination. Are you concerned about... That because there are significant concerns about the future of uh, IT and tech companies in China, especially in the market where Tencent operates, which is uh, some of the gaming and communication markets. All right, I would say if you're asking what are the two biggest concerns, what are the two things that, that we lie awake about at night? Um, one would be the, the tightening cycle policy changes we're seeing globally. Um, we, uh, we, when we work with our global colleagues in London, have uh, got this phrase that we've seen the peak in policy, uh, stimulus or accommodation. Um, the, the risk is that tightening happens faster than what the market is pricing in at the moment. We've got very high housing prices globally. Central bankers often worry about when that happens. So the risk is that inflation is more sticky than what everybody thinks, and therefore we have a faster tightening cycle than, than what the market is currently pricing. And then you've highlighted the other big risk, which is China. Uh, you've highlighted it specifically from the internet sector. We tend to think it's broader than just the internet sector. It's a bigger political agenda uh, around regulation, not only in the internet space. We recently saw in the gaming space with certain Macau companies, uh, also regulation being introduced in the food and drug sector. Uh, there's a lot of regulation, maybe a backlog of regulation that's now um, being addressed from a Chinese perspective, maybe because they've had such a strong recovery, they came out of COVID faster than the rest of the world, they've got a bit of a window of opportunity to address these regulatory concerns. 
But to answer your question, we think it's, we saw this in 2018 um, when they addressed the gaming regulation issue, um, worried about addiction. They were worried about minor gaming and children spending too much time uh, in, in front of screens and, and specifically gaming. We think it's short-term pain, but there's medium to longer-term upside. Uh, if you had to ask me today with a blank sheet of paper, um, would, would we be buying now space and process? Uh, I think we're going to look back in 12 to 24 months and see this as a fantastic buying opportunity for, for these stocks. So we don't think these companies are broken. Uh, we think that their introduction of regulation, and, and we speak to our Chinese colleagues almost on a weekly basis, uh, people on the ground who help us to understand the Western view of this, the Western world view versus the, the Eastern or the Chinese view and what's actually happening on the ground. And, and I must say, I think from where we're sitting or looking outward into China, it seems like a, a lot more of a hostile and a volatile environment versus how they are experiencing it on the ground. So we remain constructive. Uh, we think Tencent is a, is a fantastic business. If you buy nice person process, that's what you're buying. Uh, gaming is about a third or 30% of the, of the business as it stands today, not the two thirds as it was a, a few years ago. Uh, and therefore, we think it's just a fantastic buying opportunity. So are you accumulating shares at the, these prices? We have been buying over the last few weeks, yes, yes, right. So subsequent to the transaction, uh, we bought some NASPAS and we've also bought some process. So so yes, we, we are buying. Process is also doing a, a share buyback at the moment. Uh, so they've also allocated capital towards that. We tend to think that the investments phase that, that Tencent currently is in, they've announced to the market that they that they're using some of the revenue that they're generating to, to invest uh, additional engineers and development, additional advertising, positioning the business correctly. What we saw in the previous cycle is that that initial phase leads to lower margins, but then after that, it leads to stronger revenue. Uh, so this investment phase, we tend to think, will, will bear fruit uh, over the medium to longer term. So, yes, we are accumulating. Yeah, NASPAS, I see 22% down since the beginning of the uh, uh, a significant uh, opportunity or signal. I don't know which one we will see in a, in a few years' time. But then, just lastly, you... In, in the both funds, you have significant exposure to the basic materials sector, the commodities. Uh, the, and I, in the top uh, holdings um, table you publish with your fact sheets, uh, I see Anglo-American, Impala, Platinum, uh, Sassol is there, BHP, Billiton, Sabanya, Stillwater, uh, big South African commodity uh, counters. Uh, do you think the commodity cycle may be close to a top? How do you approach it? Yeah, right. A lot of lot of words like a super cycle, etc., have been thrown around over the last few months. Um, I, I don't think it's a super cycle. Like I said earlier on, we we think that we go from a strong recovery into a growth and expansion phase of the cycle. Uh, we we don't foresee, given where where real rates are globally, we don't think we, we, a recession is imminent. So we therefore think that global growth stays at or above. Uh, average level. So, so if, you, if you have that kind of environment where you have uh, above average growth levels globally, emerging markets tend to do well. Um, yes, there's been a, a few uh, sort of announcements and a bit of volatility inside China with regards to steel production and the housing market, a bit of a slowdown, uh, total social financing being a variable that a lot of people focus on, which is around loans and, 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 and supply of money into China. Uh, so yes, there's a bit of slowdown, uh, but but if you look at commodity markets in general, we tend to think supply demand dynamics are very supportive for for the likes of PGM metals, palladium, rhodium, platinum. Yes, there's a big chip shortage that's causing a bit of a delay in production and therefore demand being 
pushed out to 2022. I think the market got a bit caught off guard by, by that. There's a lot of supply chain disruption around. If you look at global shipping tariffs, it's, it's at incredible high levels. Um, and, and the reason for that is that you know, there's, there's a shortage of supply. We tend to think that because we've had the global financial crisis, because we've had labor disruption, because we've had COVID-19, not a lot of investment has gone into the supply of, for example, PGM metals uh, or iron ore production, uh, copper production. New supply coming online has been very slow. And we think that demand, maybe it's it's been the curve is flatter and, and maybe a bit longer. So demand being pushed out to 2022 is, is still constructive. Uh, and, and therefore, a lot of these Commodities are, are in, in, in a tight position if you look at supply-demand dynamics and, and quite supportive for the revenue line and also for the earnings lines of, of some of the companies that, that, that we hold. Uh, we also think that the balance sheets of these businesses look materially different to what they did the last five years. Um, they don't have a lot of debt. They Actually, some of them in net cash positive position. Impala just announced they, they're going to target to sit on 20 billion rands worth of cash. That means if commodity prices stay constructive, the free cash flow profile to shareholders are, are double digits. Uh, if you look at even spot prices post this pullback that we've recently seen, these companies are trading at, at 20 to 25% free cash flow profiles, which means you get your money back over a four or five year time period. So yes, we, we're still very constructive on, on some of these commodity counters. And, and we tend to think that uh, you know, from an earnings perspective and from a total shareholder return perspective, that shareholders will, will benefit from these returns. And you must be smiling about the dividends flowing in. Yes, we are. It's it's nice to get the free cash flow. I must say, the last month or so, the the movement in these commodity prices have not been have not been easy, uh, and a lot of them because of the chip shortage, as I've mentioned, the rhodium price, palladium prices have pulled back. Uh, iron ore price is not at two hundred dollars anymore. It's as we said, at one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Uh, so so that is we've seen that in the share price actions, but we think it's an opportunity to accumulate. Uh, so the, so therefore this pullback is is in our in our view, uh, like I said up front, an opportunity to position yourself appropriately going into 2022. Hannes, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. That was Hannes van den Berg. He's the co-head of SA Equity and Multi-Asset within the four-factor team at 91. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Market Commentator Podcast, where leading investment professionals share their investment insights. Hosted by Rake Fonica. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.